Turn with me in the scriptures this evening to our text that we've been looking at in 1 Corinthians 9 and in Romans 8. 1 Corinthians 9 and Romans 8. How many believe the Lord could speak to you this evening? You're not limited to what I know. He could say things to you I didn't even say. He can say things in between the lines and about the words. And he is your personal teacher and guide and helper. And sometimes, uh, you know, he'd talk to you about things you didn't even know you needed to know. But then things that you did know you needed, he's got the answer. Even though you can't figure it out, he can tell you just in a thought, in a word, you'd just sit there and go, hmm, that's it. That's the answer. And it might not have even been anything I knew or said, but he's here with us and in us. And that's why it pays to get together with each other and the word and the Holy Spirit. We've been talking for, what is it, three or four sessions now on, uh, well, more than that, on this spiritual man. But what is this about the third session? We've been talking about seven spiritual principles to controlling the flesh. You could also say seven spiritual principles to uh, reaching goals, reaching physical goals, or uh, breaking bad habits. Any, you could say it any number of different ways, but it's spiritual laws or principles that if you'll do them, you'll get results every time. How many know that when God says, do this and this will happen, you can count on that a hundred times out of a hundred. When he says, believe in your heart that God's raised Jesus from the dead, confess him as Lord with your mouth and you'll be saved. How many times out of a hundred will that work? How a hundred times out of a hundred that'll work. When the Lord says it, it's a law. It's like the law of gravity. If you jump off the house, what'll happen 50 times out of 50? You will go down. What if you're young, what'll happen? You'll go down. What if you're older, what'll happen? If you're black or white or red, you'll go down. Educated, uneducated, you'll go down. Is that right? It's a law. And the same thing is true with all the things that God says in his word. He says, you know, uh, if you do this and this will happen, you do this and you'll get these results. He is faithful. His word is sure and true. And I'm a doer. How about you? Say it out loud again. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. That also means you're a person that gets results. In uh, 1 Corinthians 9, are you there? We've been talking about the spiritual man. That we want to be spiritual individuals and not carnal, spirit dominated, not flesh ruled. In 1 Corinthians 9, 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He says, but I keep under my body. And bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway, or as one translation says, disqualified. Is it true that even somebody like the Apostle Paul, who was definitely a spiritual man, I mean, he got caught up to the third heaven, and he saw Jesus in visions and talked to him. He got revelation about what the cross and the work of redemption meant and provided. I mean, 
you definitely would have to say he's a spiritual man. But he said if he didn't control his body, he could wind up disqualified. Everybody has to control their body or else pay the high price. I mean, when you got born again, it was your spirit, the man on the inside that became a new creation, not your body. Your body is still pretty much like Joe Sinner's body that's never got saved. And your body will do anything that you let it do. So you have to control it. You'll have thoughts come to you that's not holy and right. And you can think on anything you let yourself think on. But you're supposed to cast down thoughts and imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of the anointed one. Like one individual, I think it kind of showed his background. He said, every mind ought to have a bouncer at the door. <laughs> well, apparently he spent some time in clubs. But what's it, what does he mean? Don't just let anything come into your mind and stay. A spiritual man, a spiritual woman is in control of their desires and their feelings and their words and their thoughts. Carnal people, uh, spiritual babies, people that are spiritually weak are always yielding. I mean, a spiritual baby and a carnal man or woman, they'll just say anything that crosses their mind. It comes across their mind, they'll spit it out and then feel bad about it later. But you know, a lot of times the damage has already been done. You can repent, but you've hurt somebody, you've hurt a relationship. Spiritual people are in control of their feelings. They, you know, how many understand you can be strong even though you feel like crying, you cannot cry. You feel like being sad and depressed. How many understand you can feel like going into the room and pulling the shade and putting a cool cloth on your head and laying there and crying, but instead you can get up and say hallelujah. Right. Anyhow. Amen. Amen. Get dressed. Yeah. Feel like crying. Feel like laying down, feeling sorry for yourself and singing the blues and woe is me and nobody knows. Right. But instead you can get up and wash your face and comb your hair and dress up the best you know how and shout and act like you got the victory. Even though you don't feel like it. That's what a spiritual man does. That's what a spiritual woman does. You can control your feelings. You don't yield to your emotions. You let the strength of God on the inside come out and control you. Spiritual man, spiritual woman controls their words. They control their temper. How many know you can feel like slapping somebody and not slap them? Huh? People say, yeah, but I just got too mad and I couldn't help it. I don't believe that. Do you believe that? I say, and I couldn't help it. I don't have any control. Well, if you're not in control, who is? Who's driving if you're not? You say, like the comedian popularized years ago, well, the devil made me do it. (laughs) Did he now? The devil made me do it. Made a born again Authorized in the name of Jesus, Holy Ghost empowered, child of God, do something they didn't want to do. That's not true. I said it's not true. People do what they yield to, and for the most part, people do what they can get away with. So, 
I don't want to be a flesh-ruled, feeling-ruled, emotion-ruled person. Do you? I want to be like my master, the Lord Jesus. How many believe as he walked the earth, he was in control? He was in control of himself, in control of his feelings. The Bible tells us, you know, that he emptied himself, laid aside his mighty power and weight and glory as God, and became like other men and was even tempted in all points just like us. So he was tempted. You know he was tempted to backhand a few of those smart-talking Pharisees. (laughs) You know he was tempted to do some stuff. But he was in control, wasn't he? And when you're in control of yourself like that, and you'll let God be in control. Somebody say, well, God's in control only to the degree you let him be. You know, that's really a misnomer and a misstatement. You hear a lot of people say, well, God's in control. And they leave the impression that all the bad things that have happened, well, he's in control. So it must be his will. No, the Lord will only be in control of your life to the degree you yield to him. To the degree you let him be Lord in your life. He's not going to make people get saved. He's not going to make people obey him. So can you honestly look at everything that everybody's doing in the earth and say the Lord was in control of that? Oh, y'all got quiet on me. Is the Lord in control of people going to hell? Was that his will? Scripture says he's not willing that any should perish. Well, then why would they die lost? They choose not to yield to him, not to believe. Now, when it comes to the overall plan of God, I mean, the Lord's going to accomplish his plan in the earth. If this person won't obey him, he'll find somebody that will. And he will accomplish his main plan. And no matter what the devil tries to do or what evil people try to do, he will get the job done. But that doesn't mean that his perfect will will be accomplished in every individual's life. Because if people don't believe him and if they don't agree with him and they don't yield to him, they don't let him be Lord of their life, then they'll have all kind of bad things that wasn't the will of God. The enemy's work. There is a devil. There is an enemy. He should be resisted. Well, we're talking about being spiritual men, spiritual women. How many do we have in here, spiritual men and women? Let me see. Don't let the devil mess with you. Say, yeah, you're right. Look at how you acted last week. Say, shut up. None of your business. I'm a spiritual man. Amen. 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 So we began talking about this. And in uh, Romans 8, if you want to read that scripture again, Romans the 8th chapter. Spiritual man. In Romans 8, you remember he said in verse 5, they that are after the flesh, or we could say carnal, they mind the things of the flesh. They keep the things of the flesh on their mind. They that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. In other words, they mind the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Hallelujah. Does it make any difference what you keep on your mind? Yes, it does. Now, the mind is where the battle is won or lost. Spiritual. 
And the mind is the doorway to the spirit. That's how things get in your spirit. It's through your mind. Things get in your mind through your eyes and your ears. What you watch and what you listen to. They get into your mind. If it gets in your mind and you think on it long enough, it can get down in your spirit. And that's when it affects your life. It's a whole lot like eating. How does something become a part of your body? First of all, you've got to take it into your mouth. If you decided once you got it in your mouth that it was bad, that it was sour, that it was rotten, could you keep it from being a part of you? Spit it out. Spit it out. It'll never become a part of you. But if you chew on it and you keep chewing on it, you keep chewing on it, what are you probably going to do? Swallow it. It's going to get into you. Is that right? And then over a period of time, your body will assimilate portions of that. And literally after a period of time, it becomes a part of you. Part of your flesh. Part of your bone. Part of your body. And so that's the way it is spiritually. Spiritually, we eat. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Job talks about that the ear tries words like the tongue or palate tastes food. It's interesting that spiritually, uh, physically, you eat with your mouth. But spiritually, you eat with your ears. Did you know that? Look up some of these things if you want to on your own. You'll find that over in Job, that the ear tries words like the palate or the tongue tastes food. And really, as your senses are exercised, as you develop, you learn what's good and what's bad. You know, babies will put anything in their mouth, won't they? They haven't learned. You know, it takes a while. Through eating and through developing that you can discern and taste that's bad, that's good. And even in adulthood, some people have uh, their taste, uh, they're able to discern better than others. Some people will just go eat anything that's bad and never even realize it. And others can smell and taste something uh, just a little bit bad. Well, the scriptures talk about in Hebrews that you and I can have our senses exercised to discern between good and evil. And as you exercise yourself in these things, after a while, in just a little bit, you'll discern when hearing something, if that's something good that you want to chew on and swallow, or if it's something you better spit out. Are you with me? And spiritually, you are what you eat. If you feed on unbelief and you feed on just tradition, then that's what you'll be. Oh, but if you feed on the real word and you nourish up yourself in the words of faith, your spirit will grow. Your spirit will become stronger. Does it matter what you listen to and what you watch? Does it matter what you think on? According to this verse, it's the difference between life and death. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. You remember Isaiah 26.3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusts in thee. How many believe that? 
Hmm? In fact, just turn back there and look at it. Sometimes we just quote things. If you go by it too fast, people nod their head, but it didn't really get in. Isaiah 26. If you don't know it, mark it. It's not the scripture you've heard that changes your life. It's the scripture you practice. The scripture you do. Isaiah 26.3. Are you there? Isaiah 26.3. What does it say? Thou will keep him in perfect peace. The Hebrew is literally peace, peace. In other words, complete peace. Whose mind, whose what? Mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Trust you in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. The margin says, the rock of ages. That's probably where that song came from. Amen. Can you keep your mind stayed on him? Is it possible? Yes, it had to be. If he told you to do it, he wouldn't tell you to do something you couldn't do. And what's the result if and as you keep your mind stayed on him? What happens to you? Perfect peace. Have you been in perfect peace? I won't ask for testimonies. Let me ask this one. Have you always been in perfect peace? Every day and night of your life. Why not? According to the scripture. Now let's bring everything back to the word. Why not? Why were you not in perfect peace? If you had had your mind on him. And kept your mind on him. And what he said. And what he's done. Would you have stayed distressed and upset? Would you have been in lack of peace? Couldn't have been. The word has to be true no matter what. If you had kept your mind on him, what would have happened? He would have kept you and me in perfect peace. Then get this settled in your spirit once and for all. Anytime you see yourself frustrated vexed, upset, what's going on? You've been losing the mind battle. You've been thinking on the wrong thing. Does it make any difference? This is where the faith battle is won or lost. In the mind arena. Whatever you let yourself think on is what you're chewing on. Spiritually, whatever you're meditating on, you're chewing on it. If you keep chewing on it, what are you going to probably do? You're going to spiritually swallow it. It's going to get inside you and it's going to produce whatever it is. If it's the enemy's things, it's going to produce fear. It's going to produce doubt, vexation, frustration, anguish. Oh, but if you're chewing on the Word of God. Hmm? <laughs> You can't know too much about this thing we're talking about tonight. What if you go around all day thinking about those bills? Those bills. Those terrible bills. And I had six that I hadn't been able to pay and three more came today. Oh, those bills. Those bills. You don't have to even go around saying those bills. But if you're thinking, how many know you can be on the job talking to somebody else about something else and in the back of your mind it's going, those bills. (laughs) 
And the enemy will come and sit on your shoulder and say, what are you going to do? Huh? What are you going to do about those bills? Oh, those bills. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about those bills? And if you chew on that and you listen to that, how will it affect you? Hmm? You'll be disturbed. You won't be at rest. You'll be uneasy, won't you? And if you listen to it long enough, you'll open up your mouth and go, what am I going to do about those bills? The Lord said something to me just a few weeks ago, and it's just been going over in my spirit. He said, doubt asks questions. Faith makes declarations. And you know, you watch it when you're going around asking questions. Well, what about this? Why isn't this working? And where are we going to get this? And how could this be fixed? And and what are we going to do? What's happening? That's not faith. You need to use questions very sparingly when it comes to walking in the things of God. Yes, you can ask the Lord a question, but you need to ask it in faith and then quit asking it. If there's something you need to understand, say, Lord, would you help me with this? Teach me about this. Show me this. Now, what do you do? Believe he heard you. Amen. And thank him for showing you. Now, don't just keep going around asking questions. Begin to say, thank you for showing me that. That's a declaration, isn't it? I'll know. I'll see. I'll do the right thing. What would help you more than going around thinking those bills? Those bills, those bills. What are you going to do? Those bills. That's Where are the bills? They're here in this natural realm. Then you're focusing completely on what's in the natural. That's being carnal. That's being flesh ruled, completely ruled by what you see, by what you feel, by what you're dealing with. That's not being spiritual. What the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4, we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Because the things that are seen are temporal. That means they're temporary and subject to change. But the things that are not seen are eternal. Oh, glory to God. Bills due, past due, are subject to change. I'll supply all your needs according to my riches and glory is not subject to change. Somebody ought to say praise God. Amen. The report says you're deficient, your blood count's low, and heart's constricted, and your kidney's not working. All of that is temporal. If it changed from good to bad, it can change from bad to good. It's changeable. Ever changing and subject to change. But he took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. He carried my pains. By stripes I'm healed with long life. He'll satisfy me and show me his salvation is not subject to change. Which one should you think about? The one that's subject to change? Always changing? Or the one that is not going to change? The smart person will fix their mind on the unchanging, on the eternal. Can you say amen? Amen. He always causes me to triumph. Can you do something instead of think on the bill? 
Hmm? What can you do? What should you do? Could you say, could you begin to think, now I'm a giver. Hmm? And he said, if I'm a giver, it will be given to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men are going to give to me. So I've been a giving. So he's got to be dealing with men to give to me. He's dealing with somebody. Amen. Amen. To give to me, people are all time giving to me. Why? I'm a giver. Because I'm a giver, he deals with people to give to me. It's coming. Money's coming in. I call every bill paid. I call every debt paid off. What if you thought that all the time? And you wouldn't let anything else come in. Then you would get in faith. And you would stay in faith. And you would get results. Every time. Someone says, I know somebody that did that and it didn't work. No, you don't know anybody like that. You never met anybody like that and you never will. You meet people that are confused, people that will make a good confession in front of you and then go worry and cry the rest of the day. But you never met anybody that got in faith based on the Bible and stayed in faith and God didn't move for him. Because he's faithful. I said, he's faithful. How many can lift up your hand and say, he's faithful. He's come through for me again and again and again. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know at the times in these years of ministry that we needed money. Did you know it takes money to run ministries? Hmm? Did you know that it takes money to pay for hotel rooms and ballrooms and pay for gas and vehicles and advertising and printing and when you multiply things by hundreds of thousands then the money just keeps going up and I'm telling you every time we've needed something sometimes been right down to the door I mean I could feel Pharaoh's horse breathing on the back of my neck and my toes were in the Red Sea and you're thinking God you know any time that would be good come on God how much further can we go with this And when you get to that place, you're tempted to think about the problem. It's so big in front of your face. And you're tempted to sit around thinking, I got to have a hundred thousand right now. I got to have fifty thousand right now. I got to have this by the end of the week. I've got to have this. I've got to have this. Will that help you? Will you be in perfect peace thinking about that? Hmm? Is that the eternal word of God or is that the thing that's changeable, temporal, subject to change? But whatever I choose to set my mind on and chew on is what's going to get in my spirit and fill me full of fear or fill me full of faith. Oh, you know, if you'll practice this, you'll get better at it. I remember in the early days of our ministry, it was a little tougher. You know, I'd cast the care on the Lord. Next thing I'd look up, I'd have it again. (laughs) I'd cast it on him again. Next thing I know, I've sat there and thought about the problem for 30 minutes. See, this is where the, the battle comes, isn't it? And if you just sit there and think about it and sit there and cry and feel sorry for yourself, that's how you go under. That's how you go down. That's how you lose everything. That's how you die. You know, I used to minister to people in the healing school day in and day out. And I've seen it again and again when people just lay there in the hospital bed and they get quiet. And you can tell they're thinking about dying. 
If you can't get them out of that, they'll go. I've seen people that wasn't anything wrong with them physically. In a matter of months, be dead. You can just quit. So people don't realize how powerful spiritual forces are. I've seen physicians again and again shake their heads. They got one fellow here down the hall. He should have been dead, they thought, three years ago. And he's getting better. And they got a guy down here died last night. And they didn't think much of anything was wrong with him. See, there's more to it than just physical. Isn't there? The greatest forces in life are spiritual. And how many understand that our faith can absolutely overcome the world? I don't care what it is. You can believe God and overcome it. Would you go with me to 2 Corinthians while we're talking about these things? I don't know if we're going to get to those other principles tonight or not. (laughs) But if we don't, I'm planning on being here the next Friday. Unless the Lord comes beforehand, if he does, that won't matter. 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Now, we're not necessarily talking about uh, controlling the flesh, physical part. But when we say flesh, that doesn't just mean physical body. The flesh includes the whole natural man. And uh, so much of the natural man is the natural mind. We just got through reading in our text about being carnally minded. Uh, That could also be translated fleshly minded. And uh, the spiritual man or woman is in control of their mind. In 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and verse uh, 3, 2 Corinthians 10, 3, he says, Though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. The Ephesians talks about that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. We are in a conflict, but it's not physical. And so warring after the flesh won't help you. You see people that are more natural and they just gravitate to the natural. They think if we'll put on army fatigues and boots and we can yell real loud that that'll help us win the battle. That's all physical. Did you hear me? Screaming and yelling and sweating is physical. And doing things physically doesn't win the battle spiritually. I mean, we, you deal with spiritual problems with spiritual weapons. And some people have taken this text and applied it in a way differently than what it says. He says, we walk in the flesh, but we don't war after the flesh. Everybody say that out loud. We walk in the flesh, but what? We don't war after the flesh. Sweat and volume and clothes... Is flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Not natural. Not fleshly. But mighty. They are real. They're just not natural. They're real. They're spiritual. And they're mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. 
Now, people so many times have read this and just focused on pulling down strongholds in the heavenlies. And uh, there are situations where spirits have influence over areas, and it's a, you could call it a stronghold. But really, that's not the complete context of this passage. What's the very next phrase when you keep reading? Hmm? What did it say? Casting down wicked spirits from the heavenlies? No, that's not what this passage says, though so many have just only applied it like that. What did he say? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, semicolon, not even the end of the sentence, pulling down of strongholds, casting down what? Imaginations. Where's the conflict? In the mind. So many times spiritual warfare is going on big time just in a service. And you don't see it. You don't hear it. But the word is coming to a person. And ungodly thinking and traditional thinking that contradicts that is trying to keep that from getting in. And they're sitting there thinking, no, yeah, but grandpa said this. And and our group always believed this. And letting those thoughts be elevated above the word. And spiritual battles are won or lost, so to speak, between people's ears. And you never knew it. And what's happening, you know, if you, somebody said, we want to attack the devil. Well, not so much you want to attack the devil. He's really a defeated foe. Jesus has overcome him and stripped him and brought him to nothing. Somebody, why does he have so much influence? Because of deception. Blindness, the Bible says. Second Corinthians talks about this. Those that are in darkness, he's the enemy, the God of this world. Satan has blinded their minds lest they should believe. You want to attack the kingdom of darkness? Run out and tell somebody the truth. That's a direct assault. Amen. On the kingdom of darkness. Because when people get enlightened to the truth... The truth helps you to see and the truth makes you free. And when a person gets enlightened to the truth and they say, I believe that, I'm going to receive that and I'm going to act on that. All the devils in hell can't keep it from happening. Do you understand that? The devil's not all he's cracked himself up to be. I said all the devils in hell. Let me give you a perfect example. One person come into a service or meeting anywhere, hear the gospel, and they say, I believe that. Jesus came and paid the price for my sins. I believe that. I'm going to receive that and confess Jesus as Lord. Can the devil keep them from doing that? All the devils in hell cannot keep them from doing that. Why? Because darkness is not greater than light. Light overcomes Darkness. The only way darkness can operate is in the absence of light. You walk into your house after you get home from the meeting, and if the room is dark, you flip on the light switch. The darkness is not going to roll back just a little bit and fight with the light until one of them gains the upper hand. What happens to the darkness when the light comes in? That's it. And that's exactly what happens to the enemy's influence. He's only able to operate in the absence 
of light. Thank God for the light. Keep reading. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. The margin says reasonings and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity what? Huh? There's a lot of folks that's yelling at the devil that ought to shut up and start taking care of their mind. Did you hear me? They don't understand how this works. Screaming at the devil does no good. We're going to antagonize the devil. Why? Let me tell you, you want to irritate him? Ignore him. And be a doer of the word. Get results in your life. Walk close to God. Oh, he'll be very unhappy with you. (laughs) Keep him on the outside, wanting to get in, but can't. No, you don't want to focus on the enemy anyway. You want to focus on God. And where is the battle? Where is the struggle? It's in the mind. The Bible tells you you're healed. Your symptoms and thoughts tell you you're not. The Lord tells you he'd meet your needs, but the bills are there on the table. This is when you have to decide what you are going to let yourself think on. And if you're carnally minded, it'll minister death to you. But if you could be spiritually minded and keep your mind on the right thing and keep the right thing on your thoughts and in your mouth, then you would have life and peace and he would keep you, keep you. Is he able to keep you in perfect peace? I mean, when it looks like that the world is crumbling around you and the earth is moving from under your feet. Is it possible for you to sit there and be cool and go, hey, God's on the throne. I don't care. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what. Yeah, but they told me you'd be dead by next week. I don't care. They're not the final word. They're just telling me what they see. God is the Almighty One. He is the Creator of heavens and earth. And He is well able to fix this and adjust this. That's faith. That's confidence. Doubt and unbelief will be crying. Well, what am I going to do? Y'all pray for me. Dear God, I don't know what I'm going to do. They told me I'm going to die and there's no help in it. Well, see, you're not in faith. Y'all pray. You can pray like that for 20 years and do no good. God doesn't respond to begging. He doesn't just respond to needs. He doesn't just respond to intense desire. If God responded to needs, miracles would be happening all over the planet spontaneously because there are needs everywhere. Tell me what the Lord responds to. What did he tell us? Faith. Faith. Faith doesn't just ask question after question after question. What does faith do? Makes declarations. Amen. Makes statements. Says what God said. Amen. If he says I'm healed. I say I'm healed. If he said my needs are met. I say my needs are met. If he says I'm a victor and overcomer. I say I'm a victor. I'm an overcomer. He says I'm going to live long and be satisfied. I say I'm living long. They said you have to die. So I'm living long. Huh? They said you're going under. Your business ain't going to make it. Now, here's where the danger, 
You understand, you cannot stay in faith and listen and meditate night and day on all this junk and negative stuff. You have to get protective about your ears and about your mind. Hmm? I'll just be honest with you. If we'd listened to a number of well-meaning people, I would not be standing here talking to you tonight. Because they said, well, Keith, you got an established ministry. you got more meetings than you can get to. What do you want to do that up for? Besides that, what you need a big old place like that for? Branson's a small town. I heard reasons and reasoning and sound logic. Huh? And what this was going to take to do this. What it was going to take to do that. Who's going to support you? And who's going to underwrite you? God. Heard of him? <laughs> if it's his idea, he is well able to underwrite it, right? And we, I finally got to the place where I said, I've heard enough. I can't listen to anybody else on this because I'm beginning to listen to it. You know what I mean? Here and in here. As long as it's just bouncing off your ears, that's one thing. But when people start making a case and they start making sense to you, you better get away. I said, you better get away. Finally, Phyllis and I got to the place where we didn't want to hear nothing else. We actually hid part of the time. <laughs> we thought, well, if nobody can find us, then nobody can tell us what we shouldn't do. <laughs> the reason I bring that up is because that's the way it is. Some well-meaning people will tell you, yeah, but you know, don't get your hopes up. If they said you can't be healed, then you just have to accept it. And Well-meaning, loved ones, brothers and sisters and mothers and daddies that just don't know any better will try to tell you, well, now you got to be reasonable. you got to accept what it is. And if you get to listening to that, you get to chewing on that, what will happen if you chew on it long enough? You'll swallow it. It'll get in you. And instead of faith, you'll just have fear and dread. Now you get to the place where you think, I can't hear anybody else. I just can't. I can't take that call. I can't talk to them. I can't see them right now. Uh, We can talk about later when I'm giving the testimony. right? (laughs) But right now, I just cannot hear anything else. Why? It's dangerous. How many understand these thoughts, this carnal thinking is dangerous. It'll kill you. It'll destroy your faith. Are you with me this evening? See, people talk about, you know, spiritual warfare, but this is it. Be attentive. I know even when I was a spiritual baby, hadn't been born again that long, I'd hear certain things, certain people preaching on the TV or certain things, and I didn't, I didn't know the word, but something in me dealt with me, that's not right. And I thought, well, why is that not right? I, I can't see why it's not right, but the Holy Ghost is inside you. Lord, deal with me. Turn that off. Don't listen to it. Why? Because he knew I was a baby and I didn't have enough word to know why some of these things wasn't right. But if you'll listen to him, he'll protect you. Sometimes you go into people's houses and you see certain books laying around on their tables, things that they're looking at and reading. And you're thinking, man, you don't, that's poison. You don't need to be reading that. You don't need to be hearing that. We need to protect our spirit, protect our minds, protect our spirits, because that's where our faith is. And our faith is our victory. That's what gives God a right to do things for us in life. What do you do? Casting down. That fellow said, every mind needs a bouncer at the door. <laughs> Open the little window and say, are you of God? 
What thought are you? Well, I'm a thought about you going to go under. Can't come in. I'm a thought about you dying. You ain't getting in. And if you find out that somebody let them in, you best bounce them out. Grab that thought, right? See, sometimes you will have sat there and thought about something you shouldn't before you realize what you're doing. And when you realize it, you better jump up and go, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 I'm not dying. I'm living and declaring the work of God. No, no, I'm not going under. I'm not going to lose everything. I'm going to pay every bill. I'm going to pay every debt off. I'm going to have plenty and more than enough and too much. Amen. Don't sit there and ask, well, why is all this happening to me? I just don't understand. I try to live right. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Why is this happening? That's unbelief. Crimes. Weakness. No. Even when you've got tears. Even when you have feelings of fears. Stand up. By faith. Be strong. Be a man. Be a woman of God. Amen. Let the weak say. I am strong. Even when you feel pitifully weak, you can stand up trembling and say, no, no, I am not laying here and thinking about this. Why did they do that to you? Why didn't they help you? Why weren't you always there for them? Why weren't they there for you? Don't lay there and think such stuff. Huh? All you got to do is look in the mirror and look at yourself. What's happening to me? Do you look full of joy and like you've got the victory? Do you look like you've got peace? Peace, peace, peace that passes understanding, perfect peace. If you don't, then you have been thinking on the wrong thing and it's your fault. Because nobody, not the devil, not your memories, nobody can make you think on something you don't want to think about. It's your mind. Now go to Joshua. And I'm commencing to start to get ready to close. Joshua, please, the first chapter, a lot of you know it. But let's look at this and see how to apply it, how to practice it. Joshua. Here the Lord is telling the new leader of the people how they can possess all the blessings and promises as God's covenant people. And here's what he tells them. Joshua 1. Let's read verse uh, 5. Joshua 1, 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Is that still true? Who can stop you from being blessed? Nobody. Who can keep you from being healed? Nobody else but you. Is anybody standing in your way from you being prospered and promoted? No. Well, that ministry's in my way. That person's in between me and my promotion. No, they're not. No, they're not. No man can stand before you all your days if you'll believe God. He said, as I was with Moses, I, so I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage. Is laying in the bed feeling sorry for yourself being strong and of a good courage. When is it okay to do that? I said, when is it okay to do that? Never. Never. If you do it, Repent. And unto this people shall you divide for an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be thou what? And if you want to do a good word study, look up how many times he told them this. I mean, it's like every chapter. Be strong. Why would he tell them that? Because if you get to dwelling on the wrong thing and you get in fear, you're going to close the door to his help. You're going to go under. You're going to perish. 
which they did. The first generation did, didn't they? What'd they do? They spied the land and they came back and they went, got in their tents and cried all night long and thought about the problem and thought about how big the giants were and thought about and talked about how tall the walls were and began to say, we all going to die out here. And after months of that, that's exactly what happened to them. If you believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth, it'll come to pass in your life. They all died out there. Except for Caleb and Joshua that said something else, kept something else on their mind. He said, verse 7, be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law, now that's all they had at that time. Now we've got the law and the prophets and the New Testament, all the word of God. He said, it shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall have good success. Have not I commanded you? Be strong. And of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now what's our part? Be strong. Don't be afraid. Right? Don't be dismayed, downcast, discouraged. Be strong, be courageous, and keep the word of God. What's the first thing he told them concerning the word? Keep it on your mind? No. What's the first thing he said? Meditate on it all the time? No. What's the first thing he said? Keep it in your mouth. Now here's where so many have made mistakes. So many have thought if I could just control my mind, then I'd have my confession straightened out. If I could control my mind, then my words and my confession would be good and I'd get things done. You got it backwards. First, you get the words in your mouth. And you can use your mouth then to control your mind. Or are you with me, friends? Oh, this is wonderful when you understand this and practice this. Said out loud, I can control my mind with my mouth. Now, I've done this for years, and it'll bear repetition. We'll just do it right now just to demonstrate to you that you can control your mind with your mouth. Wrong thoughts come. The enemy will bring wrong thoughts to you. You ain't going to make it. This is incurable. Where will you ever get that kind of money in time? All kind of thought. Look at the economy. Look at your business. Look at this. You'll never get over this. And you cannot just sit there and think about that. If you do, it'll defeat you. But how do you keep the right thing on your mind? So many times people just sit and think. Here's the wrong thought. And they go, oh, I can't think that. Can't, I'll get out of faith. So try to think the right thing. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Here comes the wrong thought again, though. No, 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 no. i got to think the right thing. Right thing, right thing. Oh, there's the wrong thing. Right thing, right thing. There's the wrong thing. Right thing, wrong thing. Right thing, wrong thing. Ah. Uh... <laughs> 
Then realize you've sat there for an hour and thought about the bills. Now, do you understand how serious this is, friend? You cannot lay there and think about the sickness or you will get worse and die. Do you understand what this is life and death now? You cannot pace the floor and think about the bills and worry. You cannot or else you'll go under. This is where it's won or lost. Oh, but here is the wonderful solution. It's right under your nose. It's your mouth. You can use your mouth to impose and superimpose the right thoughts on your mind. Let's just do this little exercise. You'll see what I'm talking about. I want you to count mentally from 1 to 25. Don't say anything out loud, but focus and try not to lose your place. When I say begin, you'll go. Don't make any sound like me, but Count distinctly and do your best not to lose your place. But I am going to say some things and I want you to repeat after me. And say what I say the way I say it, but don't quit counting mentally. Are you ready? Now focus. Are you ready? Close your eyes so you can concentrate better. And begin counting from 1 to 25 now. Jesus is Lord. By his stripes I am healed. I'm healed. I'm strong. I'm healed. Don't lose your place. How'd you do? How'd you do? What happened? Huh? That's wonderful news. I said that's wonderful news. When the wrong thoughts are bombarding your mind about the bills, about the sickness, about the relationship, don't just sit there in silence and try to wage a silent mental battle. Use this powerful weapon. Amen. Amen. When these thoughts keep coming to you, you're not going to make it. You're not going to pay your bills. Do not sit there silent. Open up your mouth and say, oh, yes, I will. Yes, I will. I'm a giver and the money's coming to me. I'm a tither. God takes care of me. I'll pay every bill. The money's on the way. I always have all sufficiency in all things. So you can't dwell on the problem while you're saying that. Huh? You're superimposing the thoughts of life and spiritual things on your mind and your heart. What if you chew on that night and day? This book of the law will not depart out of your mouth, but you'll meditate on it night and day that you will observe to do. You keep chewing on it like that, saying it, thinking it, saying it, thinking it, chewing it, you'll swallow it. It'll get in your spirit. You'll actually believe it. I said you'll believe it. And you'll genuinely expect it to come to pass. It'll push fear out of you. Now, if you sit there and get quiet, the wrong thoughts can come back. So what do you got to do? Crank that mouth up. Make it do its duty. Right? Start saying. And sometimes on a day that you're really pushed, you'll just have to keep your mouth going all day long. Because if you get quiet, those wrong thoughts are going to come back. Get that mouth to go and say it again. No, I'm healed. By stripes, I'm healed. He took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. He can't. Somebody said, I've said it a hundred times. Say it another hundred. 
It's not just about saying it. It's not an abracadabra formula. It's about you believing it. It's about you having confidence on the inside of you. And thinking about the word. Speaking the word will keep you in faith. You stop it and you start thinking and talking the problem. You can get out of faith. Fear will get in you. Once you stand up on your feet. Said out loud, my mind is my mind. I think on what I want to think on. I don't think on what I don't want to think on. I cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I bring every thought into captivity, into obedience and submission to the Word of God, the Lordship of Jesus, the Anointed One. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's one reason why it's good to praise God. See, when you're praising God, that's a form of meditation. You're saying something that you're thinking about, right? Praising and worshiping. And confessing the word. When you're doing that, you're not dwelling on the problem. You're not being carnally minded. You're being spiritually minded. Just going around all the time saying, thank you, Lord, for meeting my needs. Thank you. Thank you. That you are involved in spiritual warfare when you're doing this. Thank you, Lord. I'm an overcomer. Everything's going to work out right for us. Everything is working out for my good and for your glory. Amen. Praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.